Let's turn together in the Word of God to Luke's Gospel and to chapter 8. Luke's Gospel and chapter 8. And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, uh, Herod's stu- steward, and Susanna, and many others, which ministered unto him of their substance. And when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, he spake by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away, because it lacked moisture. And some fell upon thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And others fell on good ground, and sprang up, and bare fruit a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear, Then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares, and riches, and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they which, in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. No man, when he hath lighted a candle, covereth it with a vessel, or putteth it under a bed, but setteth it on a candlestick, that they which enter in may see the light. For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid, that shall not be known and come abroad. Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given. And whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. Amen. We leave the reading just there. We thank the Lord for it. Let's bow our heads and ask the Lord's help. Our Father, we pray for help in the hearing of thy word. I pray for help in the speaking of thy word. We pray, Lord, that we might understand and, and take in what is being said here, and, Lord, that we might lay it to our hearts, lest we should be like those who receive the word upon the stone and have no depth to them. And we pray, Father, that thou hast blessed this word to our souls and help us to contemplate it, and we pray, Father, that it might spring forth unto fruit, uh, fruit unto life eternal, Uh, both for ourselves and for those also who uh, surround us in these days. Lord, we pray that in all things thou wouldst have the glory, for surely even in each one of us thou art the sower from whom the seed comes. And Lord, we pray that thou wouldst bless that seed this day. In Jesus' name. 
Amen. So I want to think about this uh, parable and what is being said concerning it uh, in pretty much most of what is, uh, we've read here today. Um, we will be picking things from it, of course. We won't be looking into every word. That would take us an awful long time. <clears throat> but just to consider uh, what is being said here. So I want to consider it, it under these three heads. First of all, the parable itself. Uh, secondly, the puzzle. And thirdly, the precept. So the parable itself, uh, first of all, <clears throat> we consider it in its simplicity. It is a very simple story, isn't it? Uh, we can visualize it very easily in our own minds of a sower going out into the field. Uh, the sower goes forth with the seed in a bag at his side, uh, dips in his hand and scatters the seed, and it falls uh, mainly, of course, on that ground which will bring forth fruit. That's the purpose of the sower. Uh, but nevertheless, he wants to get the edges. He doesn't want to waste uh, those parts of the ground which will bring forth fruit. And so it is, of course, with, uh, with the Lord who desires that uh, every man should hear the gospel and all should come to repentance. And so uh, the seed is widely sown. Uh, he goes to the corners of the field, then some of the seed uh, bounces perhaps upon the clods of earth, uh, lands up upon the hard areas around which have not been ploughed. Some falls uh, in areas which are prone to bring forth all kinds of weeds and others uh, fall upon ground where there is rock beneath it and there is no substance to the earth. And other fall, others, uh, other falls upon the good ground and brings forth fruit. So it's a very simple picture uh, for us to uh, understand, and we could just leave it there with uh, that picture in our minds. And no doubt there were those even uh, who heard the Lord Jesus Christ speaking who wondered at the parables that he told and the stories that he told and thought for a moment, uh, what, does this, uh, what does this refer to? What is Jesus talking about? Because if we take it all by itself, um, it's just a story. We can imagine that there might be in the crowds that the Lord Jesus speaks uh, or the people who are gathered together. And it says there in verse four, when much people were gathered together, that there would be some who perhaps would hear a snippet of what was said or others who passing by might hear this part of it, but not uh, know anything more. And so we see a, a parable which is very short, very to the point and something which can speak to a mind that it might be carried with them. It's a bit like illustrations in sermons, I think. Sometimes uh, an illustration can be a brilliant illustration. I remember illustrations from sermons that I've heard through the years. But I can't for the life of me remember what they illustrated. And that's sad because what we really need is the word of God to be in our minds. It is the word itself that we need to be able to recall, not just the illustrations. And although the illustrations might bring forth a truth, the word itself needs to be in our hearts that it might bring forth fruit. Because as the Lord Jesus says yet there in verse 11, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. We need that word hidden in our hearts that we might bring forth fruit from it. But it's very simple in its imagery of this sower going out uh, to sow the field and it's very simple also in its compaction, in the fact that it covers uh, these four grounds, these four kinds of people that receive the seed in a very simple story. And Lord Jesus is able then to speak to his disciples and tell them what is being said. 
but it seems not only do the disciples hear this, because it says in verse 18, Take heed therefore how ye hear, for whosoever hath to him shall be given, and whosoever hath not from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. Take heed therefore how ye hear. And the disciples, of course, did hear. The disciples were the ones who came to the Lord Jesus and said to the Lord Jesus, well, what does this mean? Because they wanted to know something more. So the parable has a simplicity about it, but it also has a subtlety about it. And the Lord Jesus preached uh, so often in parables. And in fact, in one point in the scripture, it says that without a parable, he didn't preach. And so Jesus preached in parables. Of course, he had many enemies who sought to destroy him and to destroy the work which he did. And in order to be able to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, the gospel of salvation, and to proclaim the condemnations of the Pharisees and so on, uh, he was able to do so without anybody being able to latch on to something and say, this this, uh, man needs to be dealt with. Now, the Pharisees picked that up, and certainly they did believe that this man needed to be dealt with. But there was nothing that they could actually accuse him of, because uh, it, it was a case of if the cap fits, wear it. So Jesus would say things which were very clearly a dig at them. But if they agreed and accepted it was a dig at them, then they were agreeing with his analysis. So they couldn't say anything like that. So there is a great subtlety. And the the scripture actually tells you there in verse 10, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables that seeing they might not see and hearing they might not understand. We'll come to consider that in a moment. So the case in point here is the very parable itself. When we think about the subtlety of what is being said, it is the very parable itself. Because the parable needs to be understood. And in order to understand it, you need to absorb it, you need to think upon it, and you need to work through it. Here we find that there were some in the picture which Jesus uh, sets before us. Some were oblivious, some were careless, some were distracted, and some were intrigued. And the disciples are they who are intrigued, and they come back to ask What does this mean? And then again, it's suitability. All kinds of attitudes are found uh, with regard to this. Uh, The attitudes of our hearts, of your heart. What is the attitude of your heart? What is your attitude just right now at this moment? Is it to understand what this parable is about? Do you have the distractions which the Lord Jesus speaks of here? Could it be that it will come into your mind uh, right now but won't last so that in time to come you won't be able to remember what this is about uh, or even where it comes from in scripture is it something which will uh, work in in your thinking now or is your mind somewhere else thinking about something else so uh, jesus of course in that verse uh, that we've already quoted once take heed therefore how ye hear how important that is Now I, before I come to preach, pray that the Lord would be with me as I preach. And of course in the pulpit too, we pray before we begin the sermon so that the Lord would give me the right words to speak because I don't know what what, uh, sentences or what particular things said might affect 
any person who is here what needs to be said, how it needs to be said, at what point it needs to be said. Because inevitably our minds drift in and out of things. There are distractions. Children can be distractions. Things going on in the church can be distractions. We can find ourselves gazing at something and we're not actually thinking about what's being said at all. And so it's important to pray that the Lord will bring the right words at the right moment when somebody's mind has just come back to listen and that's the point where the Lord is bringing that in. So it's very important for me to pray that the Lord will direct me in preaching. But it's equally important for you coming into the house of God that the Lord, that the Lord would help you in the hearing and that you might understand what is being said, that it might be found hidden within your heart and be brought forth you don't know what will be needed at what time and what will be a strength to you at what time we need to be careful and we need to take heed how we hear these are the words of the lord jesus take heed therefore how ye hear for whosoever hath to him shall be given and that's a that's a tremendous truth you know, I've discovered throughout the years in studying the scripture and in seeking to hide that scripture in my heart, how much more you gain every time you gain something. It's exponential. It's not just knowing a memory verse here or a memory verse there, but things begin to connect. The more you know the scripture, the more things connect together. And so it's an exponential thing. You begin to see a whole vista where some might just have individual verses you begin to see the connections from the old testament to the new testament you see, begin to see the spirituality which is behind it the purpose of god we begin to see more and more the mind of christ remember what paul says in first corinthians but ye have the mind of christ so it is very important that we uh, understand the uh, that we need a right attitude toward the word of god part of that attitude is a desire to know the word of god that when we come into the house of god our desire is to hear what is being said our desire is to know the lord not the preacher that 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 is not always the 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 needful thing you know a preacher can be good a preacher can be bad a preacher could be indifferent but the word of god is the word of god and whatever is bring, brought forth from it even the word of God itself in the reading of it can bring something to our hearts and souls. If we have come before the Lord before we come into the house of God and we've said to the Lord, Lord, I'm going into, into, into church this morning. Give me a blessing. Lord, teach me something. Lord, lay a verse upon my heart. Bring something out of the Bible reading. Bring something out of, of the reading for the sermon. Bring something out of the sermon. Lord, touch my heart in some way. Speak to me. How important that is before we come into the house of God every Lord's Day and every other opportunity that we have to hear or to read the word. We need to have that heed. Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. Secondly, from the parable and its simplicity and its subtlety and its suitability, the puzzle. The puzzle, of course, is this, that the Lord Jesus says, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not see and hearing they might not understand. 
And Luke and Mark both write to Gentiles. Uh, Luke, it seems to uh, the Greeks in particular. Mark, it seems to the Romans in particular. Uh, but Matthew, of course, is writing to the, uh, to the Jews in particular. And so when he speaks about this parable, if you go back to Matthew's gospel in chapter 13, Matthew 13, he makes the link. Because the Jews know the scriptures. Of course, the, the Greeks and the Romans don't know the scriptures. Uh, that unless they have uh, um, converted to Judaism and go into the synagogue, they won't have heard the scriptures read. They won't know the prophecies. They won't understand those things. And so uh, Luke and Mark don't go into them. Uh, although Luke actually does do a quote of the scripture, but he doesn't say it's a quote of the scripture. So those words there in verse 10, that seeing they might not see and hearing they might not understand. Uh, that's the quote, but he doesn't say where it comes from or anything about it being a prophecy. But Matthew, speaking to the Jews, does so in verse 14 of Matthew 13. And he says, And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them, to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. So the Lord uh, here speaks of that, uh, that prophecy. And so uh, here, of course, uh, Matthew is bringing that in. Uh, no doubt Jesus said the words, even though Luke and uh, Mark don't uh, convey them in their gospel. Yet Jesus has said these words and makes that connection. We turn back to Isaiah from which the, those words come from in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah 6 is a, a famous chapter from Isaiah. As you will probably know, it's where... Uh, uh, Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple uh, he sees Christ uh, we read in the New Testament that uh, Isaiah saw Christ's glory uh, and so it is Christ that he sees here high and lifted up in the temple or in the palace because the word temple and palace are the same but you see there in verse 8 also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, that is Isaiah, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. See ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, Until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. The Lord have removed men far away, and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. But yet in it shall be a tenth, uh, that is of the tithe, of course, and it shall return and shall be eaten as a teal tree and as an oak, whose substance is in them when they cast their leaves. So the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. Now, what is happening here? Well, there's a, the destruction, of course, in, until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, verse 11, the houses without man. That is the, the, the tearing away of the material, the things of this earth, 
leaving that which is spiritual. We have the teal tree and the oak tree, but their substance is in them, so the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. See, what Jesus is doing here when he is preaching the gospel is not adding to Judaism. He's not saying, well, you need to take more heed to what you're already doing. But here is a new thing. Uh, The old wineskins will burst if you put this in them. Uh, And so we need to start with new wineskins using the picture again, which the scripture uses. And so what he is seeking to do is to tear away the carnal which is seeing these things as um, a a, a kind of a theology or a philosophy and understanding the spiritual, which is the presence of the Lord, Christ in you, the the hope of glory. And the puzzle is here then that the Lord speaks those words which need to bring forth a spiritual response so that we know the Lord. So that we are not looking for something upon this earth. We're not looking for a city here. We're not looking for uh, blessings uh, of the material. The blessings of the material are not a blessing at all. In fact, it comes up in this very psalm, doesn't it? Some fell among thorns. In verse 14, the interpretation of those words are, And that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with the cares or by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. So the blessings of this world, the things of this world are not blessings. The blessings which they might consider to be of this world, a bigger house, a bigger car, more money, everything that uh, that the world seeks after. Jesus says this, doesn't he, again in, in Matthew 6. These are the things that the Gentiles seek after. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. And so the Lord is seeking to break away the the physical, which would become the whole mental attitude of the Jews of his day, with the temple of the Lord. And these great stones which have been set up, taking 40 years to build. And Jesus spiritualizing that and saying, it will be broken down. But if you destroy this temple, it will be raised up in three days. But he spake not of the physical temple, but the body, the temple of his body. Which, if you are Christ today, you are members of that body. We are members of a spiritual body. Christ was raised on the third day, but we were raised with him. And so the whole temple at that time was raised together. We say, well, I wasn't born at that time. But your salvation was sure in Christ at that time. And Christ uh, speaks of those things which are not as though they are. These words come continually through the scripture. And and that's why it's important to know the scriptures. So that the, the, the words of scripture come, they flow in our mind as we begin to think. And we begin to understand and comprehend the mind of Christ. In 2 Timothy, in chapter 4 and verse 3, the Apostle Paul makes a warning, gives a warning to Timothy and, uh, and also, of course, to us. He says, Therefore the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables, were their mythos, uh, unto myths. They shall turn unto fables. 
the, the, the word myths doesn't necessarily mean old stories which have, have come through uh, by word of mouth and we're not quite sure if they're true or not or whether there's some element of truth or, or not. But, but the fables are things which are the philosophies of men. They're, they're men's ideas instead of the word. That's really what he is saying here. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. That is God's word. But after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth shall be turned unto fables. That is what these, these teachers are teaching them, which is what they want to hear. And so much of the church is that today. So much of the church is not what God says, but what men say about God or what, man, what men add to the scripture, or just sort of take a text somewhere and build something of their own around it. I'm amazed, actually, from the 19th century, some of the preachers that I've read uh, from the 19th century, and, and great orators, uh, greatly able to put together a, a homily or, or a sermon and the people would sit and they would take it in and they would think about how great that, that really was, how that really spoke to me. But there is no, in so many of these that I've read, there is no actual exposition of the scripture. There is no bringing back to what the scripture is saying. It is something which is apart somehow from the scripture, based upon the scripture. What they're saying is not untrue, but it is not instilling the word. And it's the word that we need. Take heed how you hear. What is the, 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 the uh, sower doing? He is sowing the word. It is the scripture that we need. That's what we need to know and to understand. We need to lay it up in our hearts. Which brings us, of course, from the puzzle of those who uh, did not understand because this was a spiritual thing. And Jesus says in John's gospel, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. They weren't getting them because they were trying to apply these things to something physical, to the temple, to the synagogue, to the keeping of the law to how they lived their lives day by day and keeping this law and that law and tithing the mint and the coming and, and uh, seeking not to break whatever it is that the Pharisees were teaching them. But Jesus says, no, no, you, you're completely missing the point. The kingdom of heaven is spiritual. The kingdom of heaven is not to do with this world. The kingdom of heaven is your communion with God and fellowship with me and dwelling in me and seeking those things which are above where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. And the puzzle of preaching in parables then is to take people's minds away from the earth and to look for something deeper. The precept then thirdly First of all, in the hearing, again, uh, those words, take heed therefore how ye hear, for whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. That we have, we might have, you know, bits of the word, bits of understanding here and there, but if it's not, if it's not actually taking hold of us, if, if nothing is Nothing is actually gripping us and bringing us on with Christ. 
then it's of no value and it will be taken in the end. So the precept then is, first of all, in the hearing. And the, the parable itself deals with this. It talks about the hardened, those uh, who receive the seed in the wayside. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. The hardened are those who, well, don't really believe that nonsense anyway. And if you speak to them, they're not interested in listening. And even though something is said and they might give some kind of an acknowledgement, well, you know, the philosophy is right, but we don't need Christianity for that. For that. Uh, here, here is the hard heart uh, from which the, the, the seed bounces and the birds of the air come and they take it away. Then there's the harassed, or the harassed, as it used to be said. The harassed, for here, here it speaks about those who are where it falls um, um, upon the rock. And there's no depth, no depth, there's no root. They believe for a time. So Christianity is okay, and you might see them in church for a few years, and then they say, well, you know, I lost my faith. Well, they didn't lose their faith, they never had faith. What they had was a, some kind of an agreement for a time about what uh, the, the scripture was saying. Uh, it, it, it suited them, or suited their lifestyle for a while, but they never knew Christ. Jesus says, of course, to some who will stand before him in that day, but I never knew you. Then here also we have the hearty. I call them the hearty because it it speaks there in verse 14 of that which fell among the thorns, which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life. Cares can be troubled, but they, 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 they tend in this context to refer to the cares about riches, about where the money's coming from, how we're going to buy a house, how we're going to deal with our debts, how we're going to deal with these people, and all that kind of a thing, where uh, that is more important to them than walking with Christ. And so the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life. And the hearty, of course, are always filled with, with a desire to, to do everything. One life, live it. You might see it on a, on a bumper sticker somewhere. You know, let's get on with life. Let's enjoy, enjoy things while we can. Let's get through that bucket list. That's so important to us. And so the things of God, well, they're put on the back burner and they, they never really come to anything. And then in the hearing, there are those who are humble, who look not to their own hearts or to their own purposes, but want to know more of God, more of Christ, more of the blessing which is in him. And their heart is there. The precept also is not just in the hearing here, but also in the in the, uh, the, the spreading of that which is heard. Um, we see again in um, in those verses: "Take heed, therefore, how ye hear." Uh, but we also read about the candle being covered with a vessel. Verse sixteen. No man, when he hath lighted a candle, covereth it with a vessel, or putteth it under a bed, but setteth it on a candlestick. Note the connection with what has been said before. Remember, this is not just jumping about all over the place. Uh, This is a a message which Luke is writing here. And he is connecting this. And he is saying, when you have a candle lighted, when the word has entered into your heart, when there is something actually going on, you don't hide it away. But it is set upon a candlestick. 
Therefore, we can say not only in the hearing is the precept, take heed how ye hear, but also in the heralding that the seeker may become a sower. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 17, we read in the spirit and the bride say, come and let him that heareth say, come and let him that is a thirst come and whosoever will let him take the water of life freely. The spirit and the bride say, come and let him that heareth say, come. And as we hear the word, it's important that we spread the word, that we talk about the word. So something so often lacking within the house of God that after the sermon has been preached or after the gathering of the people is, has come to an end, there is little talk about what has been said or even about the scriptures in general. And we, we, we need to be talking the scriptures and the more we speak the scriptures and, and converse about the scriptures, the more we learn the scriptures. More verses come to our minds. We are sharpened as iron sharpeneth iron. In Isaiah 32 and verse 20 we read, Blessed are ye that sow beside all waters, that send forth thither the feet of the ox and the ass, he that goeth forth, we read this psalm earlier, he that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him, bringing forth fruit. The fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace, but fruit also in spreading that word, and some of that word will fall upon the good ground, and the Lord will use it, remembering that he doesn't necessarily just use one person in the salvation of soul, but very often it is many, many people, many of God's people, who say a word here and a word there. And our testimony is important. Just a few words, just a verse, just a, a suggestion, well, those things connect together in the hand of the Lord. So the precept is in the hearing. But it's also in the heralding of Jesus Christ that we might grow. And then, of course, we have the harvesting. The Lord, at the end of the parable, uh, says to us that there is the good ground and it sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. In verse 15, but that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it. And bring forth fruit with patience. With patience. So there is a harvest at the end of this. If we continue. If we press onwards. If we share that gospel. If we understand that gospel. If we grow in grace. If we are seeking to understand. Taking heed how we hear. To him that hath shall more be given. We desire that that we might grow in that knowledge and understanding. It will hold us up in times of trouble. It will be our strength. And don't be surprised at trouble. You know, I was just thinking the other day, we read through the scripture and there's far more trouble in the scripture than there is blessing. Troubles abound on every side. And when we look around us in this day and age, troubles abound on every side. And it has always been so. There have always been troubles 
around. Even in the days uh, which we might look back to uh, of the 19th century when the churches were being built all over the place. And every town had a, a parish church and a Baptist church and sometimes a second Baptist church. Uh, perhaps uh, the brethren in the, the, the later part of the 19th century uh, and there were, there were churches and, and gospel halls and, and places of worship springing up everywhere. So that some towns had three, four or five. And even small villages, were a village of perhaps 200 people had its own church and they all went. And we think what wonderful days they were, but think about the problems that there were also. There were no antibiotics in, that, in those days. Women would have babies that would die uh, within a, a year or so. Uh, some had perhaps 11 or 12 children and they all died. There were problems, there were troubles, there were difficulties. And there was no help in those days either. But the word. And the Lord gives us the word and he lifts up our hearts and he calls us to look up. And there will be troubles and there will be grief. But we, trouble, we travel with Christ. And Christ knew all of our troubles, all of our griefs. He understood them. He went through them. He suffered them. He knows the way that we take. Take heed how ye hear. Lay it up in your hearts. Trust in the Lord. And he will be your deliverer. May the Lord bless these thoughts on this parable of the sower. In Jesus' name.